Welcome to Kansas City Confidential, a podcast where we hear from the people behind Kansas City's local restaurants, businesses, and personalities. I'm your host, Sari, and today I'm joined by Derek and Marin, owners of Presence Chiropractic in Waldo. With their holistic approach, they help bring balance back into your body, which in turn will help bring other areas of your life into balance as well. Here is Derek and Marin to talk about how they can help restore your body to optimal health and wellness. Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. I have been seeing you guys and, you know, working with you to correct my back and my hips for quite some time now. And it's been a really positive experience for me. And I would just love to hear from you guys, both little background on yourself and what led you to work in this industry. Uh, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do growing up. So I ended up going pre-law when I went into college. Uh, I was really just following soccer scholarships. That was like my true passion originally. It was wherever I could play, as long as I could play, I would just keep moving that direction. Uh, And so I went pre-law because it sounded fancy and it sounded like it would fit. But then I decided the corporate world looked awful Uh, as far as like climbing a corporate ladder to ever own your own business or your own firm. And I knew that I always wanted to be my own boss because I wasn't very good at like fitting in people's boundaries and like molds they put on me. And so I knew that if I really wanted to thrive, I needed to do something on my own. Uh, So I went from pre-law to who knows what. And then I eventually landed on philosophy as a major. And that was kind of just a happy accident. I don't know. It was very Bob Rossian, uh, which actually ended up influencing a lot of my future. Uh, But I think chiropractic was kind of calling to me because I wanted to help people. I knew that I wanted to do that in some capacity. I really wanted to use my hands. Uh, or at least be a hands-on approach, uh, whether it wasn't literally with my hands, but I could work directly with people. And then I knew that chiropractors very often owned their own business, and it wasn't something you had to kind of spend 10, 20 years developing. You could jump right out of school into your own business. Uh, So all of that kind of culminated into uh, the concept of being a chiropractor, uh, helping people. When I first started chiropractic school, I'm one of those crazy kids who'd never been adjusted before. I was pretty much just assuming we were spine specialists and could work with athletes. And so I was just all in for that. Uh, and then through school, the whole kind of philosophy around it, understanding of what we did, how we helped kind of really evolved and transformed into what it is today. Yeah, Marin, I'd love to hear from you. I grew up in a super small town in Illinois. Um, so growing up, I've actually, I started going to a chiropractor when I was like six years old. Um, and the reason I went was because my dad was going for back pain and I was like, can I go, I want to check it out. It looks cool. If you're doing it, then like I'm into it too. And so, um, he took me the next time that he went, I checked it out and I was kind of sold from that first experience. And I remember as a kid, I would always try to get out of school by going to the chiropractor. And so I would like skip class and go to the chiropractor, get a note to go back to school to play that that, in that sporting event or go to practice or whatever. Even if I had like an intense day at school or an, an intense day, like emotionally, physically or whatever, I would always ask my mom to take me to the chiropractor. And I think a lot of that goes back to just knowing what I know now about how chiropractic 
influences our nervous system and influences our brain. It was like the little kid in me knew that getting adjusted was a good way to integrate whatever it was that I was going through. And so looking at it now, it wasn't as if I was trying to be a bad student and skipping school, but probably there was some level of unintegration or just like overwhelm essentially. And going to the chiropractor was a good way for my whole system to just equalize itself out. And so I think that was the start of it. So it started when I was super young. Uh, and then I just kind of kept going for various reasons, whether that was sports related or performance related. Uh, I just, I loved it. And so I knew probably around high school age that this is the route that I wanted to go. Uh, I'm from a super small town, so there wasn't really any colleges nearby or any chiropractic schools nearby. So the closest city, which was about three hours away, was St. Louis, and they had a chiropractic school there. So as soon as I graduated high school, uh, I went into their undergrad program. I was hanging out with all the chiropractic students and all the teachers. Like I was always on campus. And so I would go into the library and study essentially chiropractic philosophy, like chiropractic history and all of these things as an undergrad student. And that really solidified my like passion for it because I was not just coming in thinking I was going to be adjusting a bunch of people all day, but I was really getting the layout of what chiropractic is uh, and understanding how it's influencing and also understanding where we came from. Because there's a huge evolution of chiropractic philosophy and chiropractic science and every like part of that story is powerful, understanding kind of how we got to where we are today. And so that was just really cool in my foundation of young chiropractic student Marin because that set my like passion for it. And so to develop that passion early on was just like the fuel that I needed to get through it. That's where we came. For someone who only recently, you know, in the last year or so started seeing a chiropractor was new to me to really understand the benefits. From my perspective, I always thought you go to a chiropractor, you get adjusted, you feel a little better and you move on. And one thing I've really learned from the experience is I want to feel better with someone who has back problems. And as Marin and I have discovered hip problems as well. Being able to walk away from the appointments and try to consciously think to myself, okay, up until my next appointment, how can I continue to work on my body and help it feel better? Whether it's keeping my back straight, which I will admit consciously through this whole interview so far, I keep saying to myself, okay, keep my shoulders back, my chin back. And those little things that sound like it's so easy being in the corporate world and being on a computer all day long, whether it's at my job, whether it's working on this podcast or anything Instagram related, I'm constantly looking down and I've been trying to make small adjustments throughout my life to help me feel better. But for anyone who is not familiar or has not been to a chiropractor, what are some of the basic benefits of seeing a chiropractor? Uh, obviously, most people think of chiropractors as pain relief for spine specifically, but I think a lot of the magic in chiropractic is exactly what you said you notice when you walk out the door. And it's that subtle awareness, almost that kind of presence you have within yourself that allows you to kind of start picking up on those little things that you do throughout your day that could be contributing to why you feel uh, less than optimal. The beautiful part of it is it kind of gives us a moment to step out of the chaos and into ourselves to then identify where these tension patterns, where this chaos is coming from where it's originating and it gives us a starting point, right? So we know where we are and then that gives us a strategy to get where we want to be. And I think that's really where 
chiropractic maybe isn't as well known is this potential to help us understand ourselves a little bit deeper. And Marin always talks about how movement is the expression of life and how our quality of movement dictates the quality of our life. And so even from a very biomechanical standpoint, creating more mobility in the joints creates greater awareness of ourself, which then translates to a greater expression of who we are, which can, I mean, look like anything, which is the most beautiful part about it, I think. Yeah, and to kind of jump off of that too, there's this concept of how well we move through space, like Derek was saying, can dictate how well we live our lives. And there's a theory that I love to dive into and and talk about to help understand this. It's this idea of embodied cognition. So for example, say I go to raise my hand and I have a limited range of motion or my arm doesn't like to finish that movement or it can't because there's tight muscles or there's just dysfunction in the joint itself that's limiting that. So it's not that, you know, my shoulder isn't capable of moving, but what controls my shoulder is ultimately my brain. So you have tight muscles, yeah, but what's telling those muscles to contract or telling those muscles to be super locked down is the nervous system because that's what's controlling everything. You know, like you can have a muscle and if there's no communication going to it, that muscle is not going to contract and it's not going to relax. It's just going to, it's it's just a muscle, you know? So the, the true like, magic in that is that information coming from the brain and going to the body. That movement of the body is not much different than the movement of our thoughts and the movement of our emotions, which is where it starts to get super fun to talk about because yeah, like movement of the body is one thing, but a thought or an emotional expression is also movement in the nervous system. The nervous system doesn't really know how to separate the two, right? Like it's just doing its thing. It's just moving uh, action potentials and our brain and how our brain is perceiving reality is ultimately dictating how our body is moving. But if you can improve the integration of all of those systems together, then you can ultimately improve the way your brain is perceiving itself, the body, and also reality, right? So we can ultimately influence the way somebody sees the world around them based on how well they can move through space. I think a lot of times people hear the phrase, you know, you have one body, treat it well, and you will have for your entire life, make sure you're taking care of it. And oftentimes, as cheesy as that sounds, it's obviously accurate and make sure that we are giving the optimum amount of range and mobility and happiness as possible. And so, you know, you've talked about the optimal mind-body connection. I want to ask you both, how does someone obtain the optimal mind-body connection? I love that question a lot, actually. I'm glad that you asked that. We were kind of chatting about like what that means and what that looks like. So with mind-body connection, we were looking at four different pillars that really contribute to giving your mind and your body the most optimal communication and yeah, the most optimal connection. And so the four pillars that we were kind of discussing about how to optimize that essentially include a mindfulness practice, movement, recuperation, and nourishment. I mean, there's subcategories for all of those, but the hierarchy of the four pillars, I believe if you can give attention or give a good practice for each of those can can take you in a, a pretty good way. Yeah, I think we kept them and discussed how they were intentionally vague because the optimal mind-body connection isn't really the same for anybody. There's not just a blueprint you can follow. And in fact, I found if I try and copy somebody else's blueprint, I tend to fall just a little bit short. And it really is a self-discovery because that's what your mind and body really are, is you. And so having those categories be a little bit vague 
gives people the opportunity to then discover what part of that particular pillar resonates with them and brings them the most connection to then create the optimum communication between mind and body. Uh, so nourishment is things like diet, making sure we drink lots of water, making sure we eat good quality foods, whole foods, a variety of what's good for us. And we know, or we've learned more over the last couple of decades that there is no one size fits all diet. And so it's just very individual and unique to each person. But then under nourishment, we could also talk about body work, but that kind of falls into recuperation as well, right? We need to recover from what we do because we need to be sustainable. We can't just expand, expand, expand. There needs to be a period of contraction and kind of a reevaluation that allows us to heal from the stress that we encounter. Yeah. And also jumping off of nourishment too. Uh, there's a huge saying in the health field that's uh, you are what you eat. And I want to challenge that statement because I don't fully agree with it. What resonates more with our bodies is we are what we absorb, right? So you can eat whatever, but if your body doesn't have the right nutrients in it to absorb whatever it is that you're putting into your body, or maybe your gut isn't quite um, sustainable or as healthy as it could be, you're not going to absorb those nutrients, right? So you are more about what you absorb, not what you eat. And I think that's that's powerful because we have to look at A, what we're putting into our body, like what we are eating, and B, how our body is absorbing these nutrients. Because if you're not going to absorb them properly, then it's just, it's not going to feed into your health and wellness. The other two pillars, the first one that I love to talk about is movement, right? So uh, again, movement is the expression of life and our quality of movement dictates our quality of life. As our body moves through space, we're using our brain to move our body, but also those movements are very informative to where our, our body is and where and we're activating specific areas of the brain. And so you can create this beautiful mind-body connection through simple movement practices. I think one of my favorite ones to really train mindfulness and to train movement is like some form of qigong or some form of like Tai Chi, because it's very slow and intentional. So instead of using momentum to like push a weight, or like if you're at a boxing class to push something around, you're like slowing everything down, and you're focusing on the length of every single muscle. And subconsciously, like that's such a huge amount of feedback back into the nervous system, back into the brain, back into the mind. And so you can use that to really train how well your body is perceiving space and itself. And then you can get a lot of information. You can send your brain a lot of information about the state of your body. And you can also get a lot of information on the state of your mind through those simple practices. Yoga is also great too. But again, I think just going back to those simple, like slow flows is very valuable. All forms of exercise are great. Don't get me wrong. But I think achieving optimal like mind-body connection a slow flow or a very intentional movement practice is a powerful way to achieve that. The fourth pillar that we we were talking about was mindfulness. That can be in the form of so many different things. I know a lot of times when we talk about mindfulness, it's in the form of like meditation or anything like that. But you can be mindful through your whole entire day, right? Mindfulness is just a perception of, of reality, right? Of what you're doing. So I can be in a state of stress, be in a state of chaos, thinking about the future, thinking about the past, not really paying attention to what I'm doing in the present, grab my bottle of water, chug it, and not really think about it. Or I can understand that what's going to happen in the future is going to happen in the future. And what's happened in the past is not affecting my present. 
And then when I go to pick up a drink of water, it's very intentional. It's very thoughtful. And it's like, you really feel and embrace like the water going into your system and it permeating into your cells, right? And improving your health. So being super present is just that mindfulness practice. And it's easy to be present when things are flowing in life, when everything is good, when everything is going your way. It's super easy to have that mindfulness practice. I think the challenge and also part of the game is remaining in that state of presence and in that state of adaptability when things are challenging, right? Like when you have a lot of deadlines, when you have a lot of things that you have to do, when there's a lot of stressors coming your way, when things aren't quite going the way that you want them to, instead of escaping and falling into that trap of chaos when everything else is chaotic, remaining in a state of ease and presence or just practicing it, right? Because it's going to be challenging. It's not going to be easy the first couple of times you try it, but just trying to remain present through that is the mindfulness practice, right? And then understanding how listening influences that because it's one thing to be mindful and present. It's another thing to listen to yourself and listen to your body and understanding those little cues of when it is when it's time to recuperate, right? And and feed that other pillar when it's time to go and get stuff done and when it's time to just be super present with whatever it is that you're experiencing. One of our favorite things to talk about is being present in the big moments, the small moments and the moments between the moments. It's super easy to be present when things are awesome right? Because you don't want to miss those moments when things are in the best way possible, when you get a huge award or uh, you got that promotion or whatever, like, of course you want to be there for it, right? The real magic though, is when things are boring, when things are mundane, um, when things are hard, like still remaining in that state of presence, because there's a lot of little things that ultimately add up to the big things in life. And if you're only going to be there for the big things, you're going to miss like those 80% little small things that are also very powerful and very influential on how we choose to live our lives. Taking your knowledge and obviously your passion, you opened your own chiropractic practice. What has that process been like? Derek, you said you always sort of saw yourself as a business owner, but having become true business owners, what has that process been like? And what are some struggles that you both run into owning your own business? It's been a journey for sure. It's definitely had its ups and downs. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but you do have to understand that with the territory comes different stressors. So I always told myself I'd rather be financially stressed starting up a business and have the creative freedom to be and express myself versus working for someone, having financial security, and then potentially feeling like I couldn't really be me because, you know, it's their business and I need to kind of conform to what their vision is since I'm just an employee, not the owner and the visionary. So that was something I didn't really anticipate fully. I kind of knew up in my head that that was going to be the case, but that was one of the struggles. And I found it was hard to relate to non-entrepreneurs because they were just like, well, why don't you just write that off and just buy all these things you want to buy? And well, I have to make the money to then write it off to get the tax deduction. Or, well, why don't you just, you know, take a whole month off and go on vacation? And especially in the service industry, if we're not working, we're not making money. So it's kind of hard to find people to relate to that aren't entrepreneurs as far as that goes. And I felt that was one of the struggles. But I think, especially for the service industry, or at least uh, our industry and the chiropractic world, I think one of my biggest struggles is maintaining an identity, because a lot of times people want you to be something for them. But I can't be everything to everyone. 
And if I slip into that habit of, well, let me be this for you and that for you and this for somebody else, then at what point do I start losing myself? And I found myself kind of going down that slippery slope early on in practice, but then developing healthy boundaries of this is what I offer. This is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. How can I be of service in that way? Really helped create an opportunity because even though there's a lot of struggles as an entrepreneur, I think most of them are just opportunities for growth, as long as you can diligently approach them and not be defeated. I mean, those were some of, I think, the struggles of starting a business. I started as an associate working for somebody else. Derek opened up six years ago. So he's had the ball rolling for a little bit. And I started as an employee. It definitely had its perks, right? Because when you start as an employee, you do have somebody else that's telling you what to do. And then when you step into business ownership, it's like, okay, now I'm my own boss. And we were talking about this a little bit too. Being your own boss can be the best thing in the world, but it can also be like one of the most challenging things. When things are flowing, it's easy to like step up and, and do what you need to do. But when things are tough, when you got a lot on your plate, how can you still be that leader for your community? And more importantly, and where I think it all starts is being a leader for yourself. And so stepping into that role has been a lot of fun, but it's also been challenging at times as well. So I absolutely love Brene Brown and she's done so much on just leadership and of course, like vulnerability and shame research as well. But one of the, my, my favorite takeaways from her book, Dare to Lead was there is no courage without vulnerability. Me personally, I, I have a, a competitive mindset sometimes. So I like to be like strong, independent person and I try to mask that vulnerability aspect of it because I don't want it to seem quote unquote weak. But that's also such a misperception because vulnerability is not weakness. Like that is that's strength, that's courage, that's beauty, right? And when you can use that in, in your own business, right? When you can be vulnerable with your business partner, when you can be vulnerable with how you run things and how you lead, then that can A, help you be the best version of yourself and B, help you be a better leader. And with the, with the field that we're in, as chiropractors and as business owners, leadership is one of the foundational things that can help inspire people to achieve greater aspects of themselves, right? Because that's ultimately how we want to serve. We want people to come in and yeah, like, okay, they might have back pain. They might have spine pain. Their foot might be all messed up and jacked up from something that they did a couple of weeks ago. But ultimately, our, our biggest passion and purpose for serving people is inspiring them to be their own leader, but to help others achieve their highest expression as well, right? Through whatever it is that they're doing, whether that's in the corporate world, whether that's in their own small business, you know, whatever it is, just helping other people be of greater service to themselves and, and their loved ones. And that's, you know, including families too, because that's, you know, your own little community. But I think that's been the best part about owning a business, but also the greatest struggle, especially being younger than most of the people that I serve. It's like, well, who am I to be a leader for you? You know, I'm still trying to figure my own stuff out, but then also understanding like, yeah, that's totally okay. And that's part of the journey and the path. That's that's leadership, right? It's like owning that and stepping up and knowing that, yeah, you're going to have tough steps on this journey and the journey never ends. Like there's never like, okay, you're a master. You achieved like highest state of expression and op optimal potential. Congratulations. You know, here's your diploma. It's like, no, where's next? Like, where can we grow from here? 
right? And I think that's kind of what's helping me step into that role because there's just so many people that we can serve on that path and just allowing them space to like step into that greater aspect of themselves. One thing that I really like about your practice, I come in is just the open concept as you were saying earlier with Tai Chi and kind of slowing down, the way your office is set up is super welcoming and it's very relaxing. It's very calm. I think some other chiropractic practices feel more like a doctor's office and might have more of an emphasis on you're in pain, identify the problem and let's fix the problem and move on with your practice. And as everything both of you have said, there's so much more to what you want your customers to get out of their session and adjustment. It's not just, okay, bada bing, bada boom. You're good. You're done. You take the time. It's very relaxed when you come in, you get to know each of your customers, asking them how they're doing, picking up where you left off from the previous adjustment appointment. As someone who is getting adjusted, it it helps me get into the mindset of, I am here to feel better mentally and physically. The setup that you have with the open concept, I think it's really welcoming to people who come and it's one of the things I really appreciate. And I know many, if not all of the people who come to see each of you also feel when they walk into your practice. Yeah, we appreciate you noticing that. That's 100% intentional. Part of that is a recognition of the chaos that we live in. And it's just a natural byproduct of our society at this point in time and kind of just the universal laws. We don't have to get down that rabbit hole, but it is. uh, Our intention was to create kind of a sanctuary for people to step into and take a step into themselves, really, but out of the chaos to then evaluate where they are, to be present with themselves. And oftentimes I like to tell people Yes, we want you to feel better, but more importantly, we want you to feel more because when you can start to feel more of who you are, what you're experiencing, you can start to then identify the disconnects and that awareness is the initial stage to solving a new problem because we can't be you. And so by helping people kind of reconnect back to themselves and really evaluate how they're feeling, where they're at in life, who they are. Some of those answers can start to relieve the stressors that are causing the dysfunction, the disconnection, the symptoms to pop up. That's part of, again, we're back on the magic and the beauty of chiropractic is that awareness and the ability to appreciate where we are and understand that if we want to be somewhere else, then we have that power and we are capable of making that journey. We wanted to create a space that helped people feel safe with themselves, feel safe with whatever it is that they're going through. And when you can provide that safety for somebody, whether that's through touch, whether that's through the music that we have playing, whether that's through the essential oils we have, or just, you know, ultimately the environment that we have in the office, so much healing potential lies there. And so when we can provide that safety for somebody, then they can have that awareness flip, right? So instead of being like, survive only it's breathe integrate and adapt and that ultimately is what's going to allow somebody to heal and really anything right like again we work with the physical body so like that's most of where that healing is going to come from but it can also happen through like mental processes as well we can like really start to tap into healing traumas uh i mean i don't really want to get into mental health because it is such like it's a fuzzy thing to talk about through chiropractic 
but there is instances where we can influence the way somebody like their mental health is processing things. Um, so there's just so much magic that can be unfolded through just providing that sense of safety. And I think that's just something that we've really tried to utilize in the office. Like that's, that's step one, right? Like first we got to get you to feel safe and then we can create change and we can create integration. And from there we can adapt. What does life look like for you outside of work? We juggle a lot. What is, what is this outside of work you speak of? (laughs) Is that a place? Do I need to visit there? (laughs) Yeah. Juggling, uh, lots of being outside. We both love live music. So a lot of times we'll try and find concerts, music festivals, road trips. Anything with mountains. Yeah, mountains. Lots of novelty as well is always on the agenda. Well, I mean, I guess we try to do this inside the office too, but outside of the office, our lives are very playful. So we try to, I mean, essentially do things that set our soul on fire and like help us just be so much more passionate about our about life. So yeah, I'd say anything that allows us to experience life more with more novelty, anything that helps us appreciate the complexity of the human experience, whether that's through hiking, whether that's through yoga festivals, music festivals. Clearly lots of festivals. Juggling festivals, um, flow art festivals. We like the slackline. Uh, I think slacklining has been... Uh, so if you don't know what slacklining is, it's kind of like a tightrope, but between two trees. Um, so that has honestly taught me a lot about balance in life, right? So like you have the physical balance of like being able to walk on a tightrope, but also like if you think about juggling on a slackline, it's like, okay, so I have these three things that I'm trying to not drop, right? So, and I can look at that through what it means to be sustainable with being an entrepreneur, Doing activities that just help me integrate more about being human and experiencing what life has to offer. I don't know. I feel like there's just so many things that we can experience on this planet. Like I like to explore novelty. I crave novelty all the time. So anything that like tops into that. I'm a simple man. (laughs) Give me a good book, a nice hot cup of coffee and a rainy day and I'm happy. But most of those things, I mean, we, I think, you know, that's part of the reason we connected so well and ended up getting married is because we share a lot of interests. Uh, I'm also a millennial dude. So of course I love to play my video games if there's opportunity because like that's what I grew up doing. Books. I love plants. I've got way too many plants. Uh, He has a green thumb for sure. Uh, I do enjoy that though. I like talking to my plants, pretending like I think personally the ones that I talk to the most grow the best. (laughs) I don't know if it's true or not. I actually told one of my plants the other day they were my favorite, but I had to whisper it because I felt bad (laughs) saying it. But it's just had the most beautiful growth. And it looks like I shouldn't talk it up too much because I feel like Murphy's Law might come into play. But it's just, oh, it's the first jade plant I have that looks like a jade tree. There's jade plants and then there's like, boom, like trees, <laughs> like five foot tall, big old trunks. And they look like you could freaking put them in a forest, you know? And I got one, one right now that is very clearly heading that direction. So yeah, I guess our lives outside of the office look pretty weird. Weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, when you are able to be out in Kansas City or traveling and road tripping and doing these things, being able to get back to that mindset of doing something for yourself and being present in those moments, uh, Marin, as you said, whether it's big moments, small moments, whatever it is, being able to step back and enjoy those those present moments when you are able to not work. I know it's hard as a business owner. I know you both live in Waldo as well. And 
if there was something you could change about Kansas City, what would that be? Potholes for sure. But potholes, 100%. I'd fill them all in. Like maybe redo the road and not just put the the like little black volcanic ash they throw in there that just makes the hole bigger three weeks later. <laughs> Nothing against them, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know that I would change much else. Maybe add another outdoor concert venue for me to frequent. Uh, double the capacity of Sporting Kansas City or Children's Mercy Park, I think it's called now. I don't think I'd change anything else. I love it. It's the biggest little town in the country. It's got all the amenities of your giant metropolises, but you still feel like it's suburbia and you know your neighbor. You don't feel awkward making eye contact and talking to a stranger. I've had friends who grew up in New York City, Chicago, and they're like, dude, why were you talking to that person you don't know? That's a great question. I just thought maybe saying hello and <laughs> meeting someone new was normal, but clearly it's not in all big cities. I love Kansas City. That's why I decided to stay here after school. Yeah, I, I agree with Derek. Um, I mean, other than potholes, I don't know that I would change much about KC. My favorite thing about it here is how many trees are in the city. I lived in St. Louis for like three or four years. It was cool, but it was very like compact, right? And there weren't very many parks inside of the city itself. And what's cool about Kansas City is like you can be in the city, but be in a park and not really feel like you're in the city. Uh, so, I mean, you have Lewis Park, you have Shawnee Mission. I know Shawnee Mission is a little out. Swope Park, that is literally in Kansas City. And it's it's quiet. It's kind of secluded, you know, and there's like a lot of nature around it. And I think that's amazing, especially from someone who grew up on the farm. It's nice to have those places to go to connect with nature and to be in a peaceful quiet environment um because living in the city like things do get loud you know like our office is on Warnell, so you always hear cars going by we live kind of close to ward parkway so there's always like chaos especially early in the morning and so to be able to find a place in the city where it's just like zen and quiet is is very powerful what about you what would you change in kansas city I would say I probably have through this process a list of maybe like three or four things. Most recently, the thing that has been talked about the most, the late night food situation. Oh, I, <laughs> 100%. I would like for there to be places that are open past like 9 p.m. Or one thing that I talked to about someone might have even been on this podcast coffee shops staying late. I have a lot of meetings that do not revolve around my day job. They're not meetings that need to be done over a meal or should be done in a loud restaurant. And I really wish that there were coffee shops that were open later. But the late night food one is what sticks out currently uh, as as the number one thing. I think that we are really lacking places that stay open late. And I think so many people want to, I'm sure there are businesses who have tested, okay, if we stay open at this time, what's the customer count and how much revenue are we making? But I think if people knew that there were certain places that stayed open late, they would go to them. So I'm hoping maybe in the next year we get some restaurants stay open later than they currently do. I feel like the pandemic kind of started the downfall of that. Really, that's such a good. I point. guess I guess I moved here during the pandemic, so <laughs> that's like the only thing. McDonald's closed at like 10 p.m. or earlier. I've never heard of that. What's crazy is, I thought that was exclusively a small town thing. When I went to Coffeeville Community College, 
their Walmart closed at 10 PM mm-hmm. and I'd never seen a Walmart close my whole life. So it was very new to me. And then I moved to Kansas city. I was like, finally, I'm in a, I'm a huge metropolitan. There's going to be all kinds of businesses and food places open. There's not, it's crazy. I almost have to drive 15, 20 minutes to get food past 10 PM from our house. There was, to put it in perspective, when I went to Rockford, there was a 24-hour donut place. You could literally go in. We would go in at 3 a.m. when we left the bars, and we would get like four dozen donuts between 15, 20 of us. That's fantastic. Where is that in Kansas City? Insomnia cookies. Insomnia cookies. That's fair. Okay. Can we have insomnia donuts? It'd be delicious. fantastic. Pitch the idea. It's going to be our second business. I can't run another business. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not committing to that. I'm not the food industry. I've worked in plenty of food Um, restaurants and. Yeah. And a sugary bakery might not be in alignment with our, our health model. We nourish the soul as well as the gut. It's all about balance, right? Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes I eat for my gut and that looks, you know, like fruits, vegetables, organic food. And then other times I eat for my soul. Mass burritos. Well, I like to think I can make a healthy burrito, but that's like (laughs) cheesecake, ice cream, donuts, cookies, donuts, cupcakes, (laughs) donuts, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'm with it. You got to feed the soul too, right? You know, can't take life too serious. No one gets out alive, so. It's like, well, kind of slack line. Yeah. Well, speaking of feeding the soul and going back to your practice, for anyone that has not been to a chiropractor before and might be a little apprehensive about going and getting adjusted, what would you say to someone in that in that mindset? I love seeing people for their first adjustment because it's such a unique experience in our office. And we try to create an experience on the table that meets people where they're at. So we don't have a strict regiment of this is how we adjust every time you're here. It's more of a, where are you at? Where are your comfort levels? How can we stay within those boundaries while still helping you grow a little bit more? So we have modalities. I've got people who've never even heard a pop. Uh, They don't like the ear candy. We call it ear candy because we love it. It's not necessary for the healing to occur. So we've got People who never hear a pop, people who want to be lit up like the 4th of July, I would just encourage them. I would encourage anyone who's apprehensive to have a conversation with their potential chiropractor. And if what they're saying resonates with you and helps you form trust, a relationship of trust with them, then let them do their thing. If you're getting yellow flags, red flags, if you're not feeling comfortable, then find somewhere that you do feel comfortable. And I would love to say everybody is going to love and thrive under chiropractic, but the reality is some people don't. And it's important to find the body work that works for you, whether that's massage, whether that's chiropractic, whether that's craniosacral acupuncture, there's so many Tai Chi, yoga, all of these things. There's so many modalities. It's important to find what resonates with you the most. And I think part of the beautiful part of our practice and how we work with people is helping them find other avenues that really feed their soul and their body as well. Going back to what we were talking about earlier too, is the importance of safety, right? And if someone's never been adjusted before, um, they've only seen videos of it, maybe on TikTok where it's like super intense, or uh, they're very apprehensive about getting adjusted for the first time. Anytime I work with somebody for the first time, whether they're at the chiropractor for the first time, or maybe they're just at my office for the first time, I always tell them to advocate for themselves, right? So there's 
a ton of different ways to address one area of the body. And the way that we set it up, it doesn't have to be the way that we that we work with it that way. Like that is just one option. And so I always tell people when they're on the table for the first time, like, hey, I'm gonna set it up this way. I'm not going to adjust it, but I want I want you to let me know if you feel comfortable with this, if you if your body and your mind feel safe with this. Because if someone comes in and they're nervous about the adjustment or they're super anxious about the adjustment and that's their mind when they're on the table, then the adjustment, it's not going to be as influential on their body because they're in that state of stress. They're in a state of, of dis-ease with themselves and they don't feel safe. And so I always have that conversation and I hope people are always like open and honest with me through that because it's like, I'm here to serve you. Right. And just because I set something up in this way, that doesn't mean it has to be the way that we adjust you or the way that we serve you. Like there's so many different tools that we have in our toolbox that we can address this issue with. But what what we need is to establish trust and we use communication to find that trust. And so I just need, you know, someone on the table to communicate with me that they feel okay or they don't. And like there's no judgment there because again, like I'm here to like be a vessel of service for the person that's on the table. And if setting up on their neck in this like area where we're about to adjust it, where there's potentially going to be a lot of noise. If that makes someone super nervous and like we can use just like soft tissue work or we can use an activator tool or we can, I mean, we can use a laser, right? Like we have so many different things that we can do to create harmony within the system. It doesn't have to be the way that we set it up the first time. Nobody wants to go somewhere and feel like they had to get forced through something. Right. And like, push through something because again like that's not that's not safety I know for myself I was really apprehensive coming in Derek as you've said ear candy I think the sounds that I had heard whether it's on Instagram or other social media platforms was really nerve-wracking for me the thing I feared the most in the very beginning is the thing I love the most now I know I'm going to leave feeling like it was a successful appointment adjustment new things are always scary and what I've been able to get out of chiropractic has been really great for me. And I hope that anyone who might be nervous is able to listen to both of you talk about the importance, being able to really take each and everything both of you have said and internalize it, understanding people can get out of the appointment as a whole. And so for people who would want to make an appointment, where can people make an appointment with your practice and follow you guys on social media? We're actually doing a deal right now. Uh, so perfect timing with this podcast, but our exam fee uh, is typically 105 and right now it's $47. So if anybody is interested and in at least just like seeing if there's anything that we can offer or help them with, um, right now is a good opportunity to explore that because we're offering this this deal. To book an appointment, we have a contact us page on our website. So it's www.presencechirokc.com. Um, and then our our social media is the same. So our Instagram is presencechirokc. Our Facebook is just Presence Chiropractic. But yeah, if, if anybody's interested in setting up an appointment, they can reach out to us through our website. And they can also call or text us as well. It's just us two in the office, so we don't have a front desk person answering phone calls all the time, uh, but we, we do text, so you can text our phone number, and I know with our generation of people, it, sometimes that's preferred. Um, it's kind of funny. We'll get someone that submits a contact us form through the website, and I'll give them a call, and it goes straight to voicemail, and then I shoot them a follow-up text, and two seconds later, like, 
they're like, oh yeah, let's set up an appointment. Uh, so sometimes that's like the preferred route anyway. So if people just want to shoot us a text message to get something set up, we'd be more than happy to facilitate that too. Thank you both so much for being here. As I've mentioned, seeing you and what we have been able to work on for me personally with my own body and going through that journey together and just understanding your approach to chiropractic. And again, the connection with mind and body has been super beneficial to me. So I hope any listener has been able to take something away from this episode. Thank you both again so much for being on here and uh, sharing your philosophy. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. It was an honor to to chat with you. Don't forget to like and follow the podcast. <laughs> Subscribe if you're on a platform with subscriptions. Thank you by Sari for the win. Let's it go. It helps these episodes <laughs> continue to be released. We need you. We need you. You the people. As Derek said, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like the podcast, tell a friend about it. If you know a business you think should be on here, message me on Instagram. You can find Presence Chiropractic social media in the show notes. For your next visit to Presence Chiropractic, be sure to mention this podcast episode for a special discount. You can follow me on Instagram at Casey by Sari. See you next week. Ooh, hey, hey, Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. Hey. Kansas City's best. Ooh, Casey Confidential. School papa pira papa pora da 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 da